Uh, wonderful, absolutely fabulous. Technology is an incredible thing. You know, when I think that there you are in Australia, here I am in the south of France, and it's like you're in the same room with me, and, and you're actually a continent away, and uh, with a time difference too. It's, it's amazing. I, I am so grateful for being able to be connected in this way. Ditto. I'm so excited and it's so lovely to see you. And yes, it does feel like we're in the same room. And um, first of all, I would like to welcome you to Wellness Spring. And thank you for giving up your time. And to the audience, I would like to say today, I'm actually very blessed to be with my lovely friend, Alicia Sedgwick who is also an exceptional soul. She is a city-trained lawyer, and she is actually nicknamed by um, as the international communications guru, which she is lovingly call called by her global followers. She's a professional communication coach, corporate trainer, author, and an MC. And she is based in Monaco. And that is where we met. And Alicia also has an extensive background in the entertainment and events industry. And I think one of the first times I've ever met her, she was um, singing with two other ladies, uh, the Terrible Trios. And she's also done loads of open mics and much more. And we we also have a love of writing and her first book, The Communicating Through Change, became an overnight international bestseller. And her motto is embrace change with acceptance, acknowledgement and recognition to learn to grow and move forward to a stronger you. That was a little mouthful for me. So um, talking about change, I had to laugh because um, yesterday I didn't realize the clocks had gone back in Australia. And I woke up at a certain time, of course, the clocks on my phone and computer automatically changed it. And it wasn't until my partner, Brian, had rung me later and he said, oh, so for 5.30, no, you'll be doing it at 4.30 because the clocks have changed. And I was like, no, what do you mean? And I looked at my phone, what time is it with you? Yeah, well, it's this time here. And then it's like, oh, no. <laughs> and nobody had mentioned it and I hadn't seen it. So going with the change and I had to busily change everything and make a quick video to say, hey, guess what? It's at 4.30. So I know... I know we've got lots and lots that to talk about. And um, Alicia, could you please tell the audience where you were born and grew up, your parents and siblings, just so the audience can get a lovely feel of you? I'm very happy for the audience to, uh, to have a feel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the day right for me. It's half past eight in the morning here. So I was born in Lee-on-Sea in Essex, and um, 
English people will know that Essex has um, quite a reputation. Um, it's associated with um, girls wearing uh, white stilettos and, um, and having um, things on their cars um, with their names. And it's like Tracy and Sharon and that kind of thing. Well, I am an Essex girl, uh, born in Leoncey. I was actually born in the house that my parents lived in um, until they died. So, wow. yeah, that was quite something. So the continuity and um, stability in one's life, that was absolutely fabulous that I was born there. Um, I left there to go to university at Warwick, um, where I studied law and sociology. And then I came back to Leon C and um, I did my law finals. I qualified as a lawyer. And um, eventually I had my own practice in Leon C as well, specializing in family law. Um, I had one brother who sadly died at the age of 18. He was knocked down by mm. a car um, when he was crossing the road um, just before Christmas. Mm. Um, he was 18. Um, I was uh, 14, 15. And um, that left me as the only surviving uh, Rose Feldman. And, um, and so I kept that name because actually I was born um, to Barry Rose and he died um, at the age of 30. Um, he had a massive heart attack. And um, a year later, my mum met, um, she was introduced to uh, my dad, Alfred, Alfie, and uh, he was Alfred Feldman. And daddy, Alfie, actually adopted me and my brother at that time. And uh, so I had Rose Feldman as my surname. And I kept that because I am the last surviving Rose Feldman. And um, of course, when I got married, um, I added Sedgwick, but, um, but that's all another story. So um, yeah, that's, that's where I came from. And um, I still have mummy and daddy's house there in Leoncey. It's rented out now, but um, yeah, it, it's wonderful to have that kind of continuity in your life. Yeah, well, very sorry to hear about your brother. And, you know, um, we've just been through two years of um, lockdown stress and loss, you know, loss of loved ones and um, loss of um, life as we knew it. So... I'm wondering if you could tell us and give us a few tips. I've just got goosebumps all over, just thinking about the terrible loss. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, actually, I, I think that, um, yes, we have been through so much in terms of change and, um, and really having to cope with that. And I think that one of the first things that I would say is to recognize and acknowledge that we have been through a lot of change. There has been loss. And I think that once you accept that and you really recognize that it has been a period of, of great instability, um, but it's also an opportunity. And I, I do think that through any change and any loss, 
there is also opportunity. You know, there's the Chinese saying, out of adversity comes opportunity. And I believe that because we can actually rebuild. We can actually change the way that we approach life. And we do that in such a way where we recognize what's most important to us. So if you um, accept that there has been change, acknowledge it, and then move forward by rebuilding. Look at what is most important to you. What are your values? Who is most important to you? How do you want to spend your time? And then you rebuild your life based on those values and what is most important to you. Um, Stephen Covey wrote um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the things that he mentioned in that is that you actually prioritize on what is most important to you. So when you say no, you're actually saying yes to what is most important to you. And so by saying no, what you are doing is recognizing that that isn't something that you want to do, that you don't want to spend your time being involved with. You are saying yes to prioritizing your values, your goals, and what drives you. And so out of this adversity comes the opportunity to actually live your life in the way that you want to do that. So recognize that there has been change, acknowledge it, and be able to move forward by then rebuilding based on what's most important to you. Wonderful tips, absolutely wonderful, because... Um, <clears throat> The change is inevitable and it's the only constant. And I I know with you, your life, even though you said you don't like change and, you know, you resist change, but change has been forced upon you, even from a young age with your um, issue with your thyroid. Maybe you could um, tell the audience about that and how you cope with ill health because... Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, we've gone through COVID where people have been fr frightened to um, be with people and frightened of getting sick and dying. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, you are absolutely right, uh, Beverly. I, from a very early age, I was very unwell. And um, I was about 10, 11, and I was losing a lot of weight. And... Um, eating like a horse um, and uh, we went to a child um, uh, specialist and uh, he said um, oh uh, yeah she's got um, anorexia and um, um, she's anorexic and that absolutely wasn't the case because like I said I was eating um, a great deal and loved my food so um, eventually I was very fortunate that um, one of my aunts, her niece was Helen Shapiro. Um, I don't know if um, our audience or if you know Helen Shapiro. She was a great singer, um, did a song, uh, Walking Back to Happiness. Whoop oh yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, Helen Shapiro um, was related um, by, by marriage, um, uh, complicated, but anyway. And this aunt said, um, has Alicia been tested for thyroid issues because Helen Shapiro had thyroid issues? Well, of course, we didn't know anything about that. So um, I was referred to St. Thomas's Hospital in London and sure enough, I had a very hyperactive, overactive thyroid. The only uh, muscle in my body that was um, overactive. Anyway, it mm. caused a great deal of illness. I was rushed into hospital. I was there for six weeks. And during that time, they actually managed to stabilize it. And um, I was then on um, a particular medication for many years until uh, they removed uh, most of my thyroid when I was 18 and um, and then I've been on medication ever since. Um, so that has really affected my life because actually your thyroid really controls your hormones, um, your metabolism. And so managing that um, for all of my life has been uh, quite a trial. Um, and then on top of that, a few years ago, I was in um, acute pain and agony again uh, rushed into hospital and subsequently they found out that my adrenal glands had died. So um, on top of the thyroid issues, then I've got um, adrenal glands dying and, um, and absolutely no way that they are going to be resurrected. So I now have to take cortisol, uh, which um, your, usually your body um, produces, you know, fight or flight, um, uh, uh, your adrenaline kicks in. Well, for me, it won't kick in um, unless I've got the medication. And actually, I, I do want to say at this point, um, a huge thank you to you, because um, a few years ago when that happened, I was very ill and um, you were an incredible support to me and amazingly healing. And I will never forget that, Beverly. You were absolutely wonderful. And I'm so, so grateful for, for what you did for me then. And, um, and I know that you continue to always support me and, um, and, and send healing as well. Um, but it was so, so special because we were really in the dark. Um, the hospital didn't know what was going on. We didn't know what was going on. My beloved Annette every day was being told a different story. And, um, and you were just an incredible, incredible light and support during that period. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. I think the whole of Monaco was worried about your health and um, everybody was praying for you because, um, you know, you were critically ill. And like you said, nobody could, um, none of the doctors could find out the cause. And um, I know our lovely Zumba family were all praying for you. And, um, incredible, incredible. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, they, they do say that in times of, of stress and, um, and, and hardship that you find out who your friends are. And um, I, I most definitely did during that time. And I am so grateful that I found that, uh, yes, there were many, many friends, as you say, from our Zumba family, um, you yeah. um, and, and so many people, friends and family. 
immense support, um, which I will never, ever forget. And and that indeed that support continues um, because, you know, it is a condition that is um, it can, it's continuing, you know, I mean, that's all of my life. It's quite funny because, you know, when I was 12 years old, I was a test case uh, <laughs> in medical journals. And um, several years later, uh, when the adrenal glands died, I was also um, written about in medical journals. So, um, yes, my life has been um, full of change, uh, full of um, great things and, um, and yes, full of loss too. And, um, yeah. But always always coming through it with a great joy of life and a great appreciation of life um, which is how we have to be exactly exactly because it's all about mindset you know we all know that we're dying from the day that we're born but (laughs) on a physical human level it's always very heart-wrenching to accept that loss especially when it's someone very close to you and obviously it's so important to go through the grieving phases yes Um, yes and I think again you know when I spoke about um accepting uh, change um again with with loss whether it be of a sibling or parents or any loved one but it is to accept that you are going to prove you are going to go through those stages of loss and for everybody it's different and so it's recognizing and acknowledging that yes there are going to be waves that are going to hit you and you've got to let those waves come over you don't fight it don't resist it accept that it's going to happen and almost um kneel into it you know move into it let it happen because that way you are going to go through the process and it is a process and I think also respect that everybody goes through it differently there's no time limit on grief there's no time limit on loss you you come to terms with it in your time and I think that you have to respect that of people and don't kind of push your limits or or your process on somebody else accept that they're going through it let them go through it and be there for them listen to them Uh, you know when my brother died people would cross the street to not speak to us because they found it so hard my brother was the most incredible person he walked into a room and you knew that he was in that room. It was a massive presence. He was funny, he was intelligent, he was, he was absolutely a bright light. So when he died, that light went off and we were in the dark, really in the dark. People didn't know what to say to us. They avoided us because they didn't know what to say. And at the time, that was immensely hurtful. I couldn't understand, why were people not talking to me? Why were they actually avoiding me? Now I understand that they didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to communicate to me and my mum and dad. So I think coming out of that, it is so important that you do communicate even if you say to somebody I don't know what to say to you 
I don't know how I can help you. I don't know what to do. All I know is that I feel for you and I am here for you. And if you communicate that, it will make such a difference to the person who is suffering loss and grief. So if you don't know what to say, in any circumstances, actually, express that. Be honest. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be around you. I don't know what to do. And then if you express that, you then follow it up later by saying to the person, what can I do? Is there anything I can do? And if there isn't, just know that I'm here for you. If you want to cry with me, I'm here. If you want to laugh with me, I'm here. If you want to just be quiet with me, I am here. And that will mean so, so much. Communication actually comes from the Latin word communicare, and that means sharing. So when you communicate, you are sharing. When you speak in public or when you have a conversation, it's an opportunity to share wonderful you. And in any of your communication, it is an opportunity to share wonderful you. But it's also an opportunity to share with the other person what they need and what they want. So listening is really important. Uh, being observant is really important. Um, and just being there and expressing yourself to the other person so that they can express themselves to you. So you're really giving that person space. You're giving them the chance to be able to be quiet, to laugh, to cry and to share. And I do think that it's very important as well in times of loss and grief that you can talk about the person that you have lost. Um, again, people found it very difficult when Leslie died, my brother, um, because they didn't know if they could talk about him. And actually what happened, he had a very good group of friends. Um, he was at Sixth Form College at the time. And he had a lovely group of friends. And actually what happened, they were mostly boys. There were some girls, but mostly boys. And every Thursday night, they would come round and see mum and dad and I. And they did that for about a year after Leslie died. And it was the most wonderful thing that they did. They did it. It helped us. It also helped them. Because on those Thursday nights, we were free to laugh, to cry, and to talk about Leslie. And that was so, so good. Because for a very long time after he died, mum and I actually didn't talk about him. It was just too hard for us to do that. But on a Thursday night with his friends, we were able to do that. And that was immense. You know, in the Jewish religion, they have... Um, when somebody dies, they sit shiver. And um, that usually goes on for a few days. And it was a very, very, um, very good thing in um, the religion because what happens when you sit shiver for somebody is that you all come together. Okay, you're saying prayers for the person, but you come together 
And every night for perhaps a week after that person has died, family and friends come into the house, they're saying prayers, they're eating together, um, they're having drinks together, and they're talking about the person and they're sharing their experiences with the person. And it's very, very supportive. It's immense. So, you know, some things in religion have a very practical um, uh, um, practical thing um, and that is a very practical thing because it actually enables people to come together to share their loss share their grief talk about the person cry and laugh together and that is immense so I do advocate yes communicate communicate share that's beautiful. I totally understand what you're saying because it was similar with me when my mother died. Nobody, I was only 23 and people didn't know how to talk to you. And with my nursing, I started observing that nurses and doctors don't need, know how to talk to the grieving um, families, you know, and I know from you know, friends who are still in that um, field, it's still the same, you know, and it's so sad because they just want to acknowledge and have, as you said, someone to listen to. So we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. So sometimes you just want to be with someone and know that you're safe and that they care for you, which is really beautiful. So, it's so right, Beverly. You know, I when I teach my my students, um, uh, no matter from young to older, um, I always say that um, maths is not my strong point. But even I know that if you say um, if you give um, ears ten ten, that's twenty. If you give your eyes ten ten, that's twenty. And ten one mouth. And so, what does that say? Yes your ears and your eyes are even more important than what's coming out of your mouth. So yes, to listen, to observe, much more important than actually what you're saying. And um, I, I think that uh, we mentioned uh, before we came on air um, that I teach disco. Um, I have the disco of public speaking and, um, and I also use disco in terms of my uh, communication, um, how to communicate through change. And disco um, stands for <laughs> discipline, imagination, selflessness, concentration, and observation. So discipline is all about um, when you are communicating, you have to be disciplined, you have to be focused, you have to be in that moment. And it applies as well in any of your communication. You have to be disciplined, you have to be focused, you have to be in that moment. Imagination, when you think outside the box, when you are creative, it is so good, it stimulates the mind, it keeps you young, and it also will help you when you are communicating because you're being creative in the way that you speak, in the content that you speak. So discipline, imagination, selflessness, because it's never about you. Every time you communicate, it's not about you. It's about the other person. What do they need? What do you want them to feel? 
What do you want them to think or do as a result of your communication? So your communication is selfless. It's not about you, which incidentally, if you are shy and you don't like communicating, you don't like speaking, here's the thing. It's not about you. It's about the other person. And I know that you're a very caring person. And I know that most people are very caring. And so they're going to think about the other person. What do they need? What do you want them to do? How do you want them to feel? What do you want them to think as a result of your communication? So we've got discipline, imagination, selflessness, and concentration, which fits in with discipline. You've really got to be in that moment and focused, as I said. You've got to concentrate. And if you concentrate on what it is that you're doing, how you're feeling, what the other person is thinking, feeling, and doing, if you're really that focused, it again is going to enable effective communication. And finally, OOO, observation. And that is all about being observant in life. If you're observant in life, it's really going to help you to be successful because it will give you material for your communication. It will also help you in your relationships. What a difference it makes when you observe of somebody, hey, you know, your hair looks really good today. Um, or have you changed your hairstyle? Um, I love your glasses. I love that you are smiling, that you look, the energy that you're bringing into the room. Thank you for that. If you're observant and you communicate your observations as well, it is really going to help you have effective communication and also successful relationships. Everybody likes to be observed. You know, as we get older, we tend to become transparent and people don't look at us. They don't, they don't see us or we feel that we're not seen. So if you can observe somebody and you actually comment on that observation too, it makes such a massive difference. Think about, you know, if somebody says to you, Beverly, you look great today. Or Beverly, you know, thank you for smiling at me today. It made such a difference to me. I was feeling a bit down. Thank you, Beverly. Little things like that make such, such a difference. So I, I love <laughs> Yeah, it was funny because um, obviously we were both passionate about, and I'm sure you still are, our Zumba classes. And um, when I was rereading your book and seeing Disco, I thought, right, I've got to mention that today. <laughs> you got to mention Disco. <laughs> well, you know, music is so important to me, as you mentioned um, at the start when you kindly introduced me. And um, music plays such an important part in my life. And so to be able to bring in Disco, and actually I also, um, I start my training with 24 Karat Magic by Bruno Mars, terrific song. And also because 24 karat magic is for me what communication is. Because when you see a magician do their magic tricks, you think, how do they do it? And what I do in my training and teaching is to give tips and techniques so that when people communicate, other people say, how do you do it? So it's 24 karat magic, and that is all through my training. And, uh, and of course, then I do bring in disco too, and we do a little bit of disco. And uh, <laughs> it's 
sticks, you know, but because things like that really stick. If you love music as well, um, it really, you know, it, it just, it makes an impact. And, um, and that's really what uh, effective communication is all about, you know, making an impact. Absolutely. And I used to say similar things when I was teaching networking. And um, the funniest one is when you talked about shy people. Um, I used to put um, a little video up about Seinfeld when he'd um, say, you know, most people would rather be dead than speaking on the stage. And he, he also used to tell people, he imagines everybody naked and that changes his um, attitude. And I know how wonderful you are because I was blessed to take um, Rod Briggs to the University of Monaco and he gave a couple of sessions to your um, students and they, I watched them, I witnessed them like puppy dogs around you and hanging off your every word. So I um, know that Team Militia um, has um, made an impact on so many lives and, you know, helping people to communicate through change because communication is everything. And when you're saying everybody likes to be observed, it's all down to, in my opinion, everybody wants to be validated. They want to be heard. So, you know, we want that little pat on the back. You know, you've done well. And I think the biggest gift that you could give someone is just sitting and being present. And they will feel that. So it's just incredible. I'm very, very grateful. I, I do have Team Melissa. And um, Team Melissa is a place and a space where you are free to be yourself without inhibition, without anxiety, without fear, and without stress. Because when you are in Team Melissa, you leave all of your worries and your cares outside the door. Because the thing with Team Melissa is that you're not going to be judged you will be cared for, you will be supported and nurtured. And for me, that is so important to have that team. And it has resonated for many, many years now, and it continues to. Um, that is a lifetime membership. And, um, and yes, my students and whoever I do um, train and teach or uh, who comes into my, uh, my world, being a member of Team Alicia, it is very important because there is that support, there is that care, and there is the freedom to be yourself without inhibition. Because yes, when you get up to speak, you are sharing you. And for some people, that is very, very difficult because yes, they are very shy. And they come into that room with a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress and a lot of fear and lack of confidence. So being in an environment where yes, you're going to be cared for, you can be yourself because you're not going to be judged. What happens in Team Alicia stays in Team Alicia. So you have that freedom. And so to be able to help people to raise their self-esteem and build their confidence is the most incredible gift for me 
And I am so grateful that people have been a part of Team Melissa and they continue to be and that they can blossom and, uh, and really develop. And yes, the effect is immense. Um, we need to be in an environment where we are cared for, that people do feel that they can be heard, that they can speak and they're not gonna be judged for that. And actually um, they're going to be listened to and they will be helped to be confident and to be authentic and themselves. Because it's very important that we are ourselves, that we are authentic, that we are true to ourselves. And that's very important as you communicate through change as well. You've got to be true to yourself. So know, as I said at the start, what's important to you and live your life in accordance with those values and those goals. Um, Stephen Covey, who I mentioned earlier on as well in his book, talks about um, an exercise where you think of you at your funeral. And what are people saying about you at your funeral? And so you take loved ones, you take maybe um, somebody from your church, or maybe a teacher, maybe a co-worker, and you think, what is that person going to say about you at your funeral? Because it will give you a very good idea of how you lived your life and how you live your life. So if somebody's saying about you, oh yeah, they were a mercenary bitch, um, they, were really <laughs> they were really cold. Um, gosh, they were so uncaring and, uh, and really um, unforgiving. If people are going to be saying that about you at your funeral, is that what you want them to be saying about you at your funeral? If it is, fine, hats off, respect. But is it really what you want people to be saying? So if you think about that and then you live your life in accordance with what came out of that funeral, it gives you the opportunity to live your life fully and really in accordance with your values, your goals, and the way that you really want to be you authentically. That's wonderful. And that actually is an amazing exercise to do, like you said. And it's all about being honest with the exercise, you know, so you um, can cope with it. And you touched on a few things there. And I think, you know, it's wonderful that you're teaching people to be authentic and come from their heart. Because as a light worker, I know we're moving. There's a big paradigm shift happening right now. And we're moving into a phase of heart-based living and coming from our heart. And you mentioned imagination. And when we're imagining things, our subconscious doesn't know the difference between real or imagined. And it's all about um, stepping out of our old habits, our old way of living, our disempowering beliefs, and stepping into our power, you know. And we can access this through our imagination and through laughter and just being in that present moment, you know, it's good to reflect on the past, but you don't want to dwell on it. But no, I think that it's to learn from it, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's all about what I have learned from the experiences of change 
that have happened in my life to give then um, tips and techniques for people to then communicate through the same or similar changes. Um, so mm. it is definitely to, um, to learn from all of the experiences that happen to us. And Beverly, I love that you just said, step into your power. Uh, because um, I use, again, the four Ps um, when I teach. Um, there's the four Ps of public speaking. There's also, I use them um, in terms of communicating through change, um, but they are pitch, pace, pause, and power. And that power, um, I then say, um, uh, I actually say, um, I got the power, and we all know. <laughs> Uh, because we're actually in control and in command of all of our communication. I never know what you're going to say, so I don't know if you've made a mistake um, unless you highlight it by saying, oops, sorry, or excuse me. So you're always in control and in command of your communication. And I love what I say to people is that whenever they get up to communicate, whether it be online, whether it be in front of 10 people or 100 people, or just in front of one person, you are stepping into your power because you have the power to communicate and you are in control and in command of that communication and that conversation. So I love that you said that because I believe too that everyone steps into their power when they are communicating when they are sharing wonderful them. Thank you. And I've got a couple of more questions before we go into the book. But firstly, I would like to say, what would a typical, if you have a typical um, session with you, be like so the audience can understand what happens in a communication training Okay. Um, I think that uh, the first thing that I would say is that <laughs> we'll be um, having a lot of fun. Um, yeah. It's all about, for me, um, having some fun, uh, making sure that it is a pleasure. And, um, and it's all about um, the recipient of my uh, coaching and training being able to step into their power, um, to learn how to effectively communicate so um, they're going to learn about the four Ps. Um, they're going to learn about 24 karat magic. Um, they are going to learn how to um, really overcome their fears, overcome their anxieties, and to be able to really present themselves in a way uh, where they feel very comfortable and in control. So it's really enabling people to, um, to feel confident and to feel that they really can speak and express themselves um, being true to themselves as well. So um, it's, it's a fun experience. It's, um, it's an experience where uh, somebody is really raising their self-esteem and having the techniques to be able to do that and to be able to control their fears um, to be able to overcome them um, and know, most of all, that it's never about them, it is about the other person. So um, it can be, uh, yes, to communicate online as well, um, little tips and techniques 
for effective communication. Uh, thank you. And have you noticed or how has your life changed since you wrote the book and since all the lockdowns and so forth? Because you mentioned online. Yes. I'm guessing that you've been doing a lot of work online as well. Yes, Beverly, you're absolutely right. For me, uh, lockdown was actually an immense learning curve. Um, and it meant, um, and, and with the book as well, um, it meant that my life changed um, for the better because I have been able to help so many people because our communication now is so much more online. So to be able to help people to communicate effectively online as well as in person, um, it's been immense. And a lot of my training now is online um, as, as well as in person. A lot of it's coming back in person now, but I do love the online training uh, because it takes me all over the world. Um, here we are now, you're in Australia, I'm in uh, the south of France. How fantastic, you know, I've been to Vietnam, um, I've been to America, I've been to Australia as well uh, with the lovely Rob Elliott, and uh, and I do want to mention him here. Um, I, um, I loved your interview with him. Uh, Rob Elliott, uh, of course, the author of The Sales Chain, um, terrific man. Um, I was able to contribute to his book too. And, um, you know, I would never have met him were it not for my book, were it not for the fact that we can communicate online. So for me, um, it certainly changed my life for the better. Um, it's opened up the world and it's given me the opportunity to really share my skills um, with uh, people globally and to, to help people internationally and globally. And that's fabulous because that's what I want to do. Um, I'm a Virgo. Uh, we are here to serve. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and for me to be able to help people is my life's purpose and to, to help them to really step into their power. So um, yeah, it, it changed my life for the better. Um, I've been able to be extremely busy. Um, but um, in view of my um, uh, illness, um, being able to do that in a way that I can manage and, um, and, and that it's not um, excessive. Um, you know, it can be, um, again, under my control and um, in a beautiful way. So, yeah, fantastic. That's wonderful. And with seeing your clients online with respect to body language, obviously there's a different vibe when you're live and you can read the person so easily. Have you found the same thing is happening now online? Oh, yes, very much. And, um, and one of the most important things to know when you are online is that you need to look at the camera. Because everybody, in terms of their body language, they're looking at the screen, they may be looking down, they're not actually looking at the camera. And that camera should be at eye level or slightly above. Because the moment that you, I'm now, I'm looking at you, I'm looking down, it's very different to now I've come back to the camera. So just a little thing like that. And so if somebody isn't doing that, it straight away affects the body language and it affects the connection. 
So what I'm doing is to help people to really um, uh, make that connection and to make it with warmth, even though you're a million miles away, actually, um, but to make that person feel that you are together. So look at that camera and look at the camera as if you're talking to someone that you're very fond of. Even when you're in a meeting, when you're in a Zoom meeting, think about that camera as being someone you're very fond of because immediately you're going to come across so much warmer and you need to be warmer even if it's a business meeting. You're, you're all about networking and, uh, and making the connections. So of course, that connection has to be warm, even if it's online and it's on camera. So camera, look at it, eye level slightly above, and look at it as if it's someone you're very fond of. Makes a lot of difference. Fabulous. And if there was one thing you could do to change the world, what would that be? Goodness. Wow. <laughs> to change the world. Well, I suppose that um, I would really love that, um, using the word love, it would be so wonderful if people did lead from love, if they did actually lead from the heart, and if they weren't so prejudiced and made assumptions. Um, you know, assumption means that um, uh, it makes an ass of you and me. And I think that it would be so wonderful if we actually led from love. And we also followed what um, Audrey Hepburn said, and I, I love this. Um, she said, um, nothing is impossible because if you look at impossible, it is I'm possible. Possible. Yeah. Yes, that I love really that. Yeah, I love that. I really, that really resonates with me. So I think that if we could, if the world was going to change, that it changed with I'm possible. Wonderful. Thank you. And who or what or inspired you to write your book? Um, I think that I had come to a point in my life where I felt that I wanted to help people in a bigger way. Um, I'm very, very honored and very grateful that I am able to help people um, in my environment and, um, and that I have been able to do that globally. But I, I wanted to do it in a way that it really reached out to people in a very personal way. And I felt that by sharing my vulnerabilities and that you can come through that you can learn from that that it would help people in a bigger way and so that was the inspiration for the book to really reach out to people in in a a very large a very big way and to show that you can be vulnerable and that that's okay and that actually, by being vulnerable, you can also learn and grow. Um, and to give people practical techniques to be able to learn and grow through vulnerability, through changes, and through a massive um, experience 
tragedy, um, as well as um, uh, greatness and happiness, um, to learn through all of it um, and to be able to communicate that. So that was really the inspiration, I, I think, to be able to express vulnerability, to help people to do the same and to learn and grow from it. Well, and to the listeners, I've read the book twice now, and um, Alicia truly is being vulnerable. She's so open and putting all her cards on the table. And I was blown away because it was like an autobiography with all the things that have happened in her life. And a lot of them are heartbreaking. And it's real things, real life things that can happen to each and every one of us. And also, um, just all the wonderful tips that you share with people. I love the opening of each chapter with what, what I could learn. And because I, I live by affirmations, I embody them. I love the affirmations you gave at the end. So, you know, it's the type of book that you could use, um, like a Bible. You know, when you need that self-help, you can flick through the chapters, whether you just read the um, affirmations at the end or you read the beginning bits, what I've learned, and just go to a chapter that resonates with you because you've gone through hell and back, as some people would say, and um, it's so um, real and authentic. And this is what people want today. They want to be around people that are real people with no BS, that speak from their heart, teach from their heart, lead from their heart, so they can trust them, you know. And, um, you know, from that trust, you know, you shine and you ooze confidence and all your uh, wonderful tips People can aspire to that. And it's like, yes, anything is possible. I want to do it. And I'm just so happy that you're teaching young people because I know they're going to bring about so many big changes into our world. So, and you mentioned love as a way to go forth. And for me, Love is all there is. Love is all that truly exists. Love is the remedy. Love is the key. When we have love and we're feeling love, we have peace. And with peace, there's no wars, no anger, no frustration, no competitiveness, no judgment. We're all equal and we can live together in harmony. And I just want to thank you for giving up your precious time. I'm going to put all your links, the link to your book, the link to your website, your social media links right here on Facebook. And when we share again on Zoom, uh, YouTube and my channels. So thank you, dear Alicia, for one, being the shining face of Monaco and globally and for giving up your time. Thank you. you and uh, and whoever is watching and thank you very very much and I, I wish you only the best and I repeat that I am very very grateful for you 
Thank you. Thank you.